When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's the worst day of the week that gets us all depressed? M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Here comes more aggravation and a brand new week of stress. M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Monday sweat. How are you doing out there in Geek Vibes Nation? This is Dane with another enticing episode of Monday Suck. Tonight on the show, I have a special co-host. Um, co-host, what what is your what, what is your name again? I, I can't remember. Um, you know, Luke, your brother. First show actually ever together. So hey, that's a big one right there. Never done one together, so should be good. But you know, see how things go. Yeah, I. Yeah, man, I'm very, very happy to have you on. I was setting you up for um, something that was going to happen, but I, I fucking lost the soundbite of The Rock saying it doesn't matter what your name is. I thought that would be a good way to start off the brother thing, but I, uh, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what I fucking labeled it. Bullshit. Looks Anyways, like, yeah, man. Looks like uh, Big Brother fails on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we major from Kanye West. We got a bunch of random ass fucking buttons on here. I don't even know. Half of them are like wrestling and half of them are stuff for, I guess, other shows. Anyways, you guys don't care about that out there, but I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, it's your first time listening to us. Uh, check out all of our stuff uh, at geekvibesnation.com or GV Nation, but GV stands for Geek Vibes. Geekvibesnation.com. You can find all news articles for comics, comic book movies, wrestling, what have you. Uh, if it's something geek-related, we probably go over it. You can also find all of our sound uh, options, if you will, our sound listening options, I should say, whether it be iTunes, Blog Talk, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. We're now on Spotify as well. You can find them every week. And also, we have all of our social media. So hit me up on Facebook. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. Very happy to have you guys for all of our past listeners and our new listeners. Let's start talking about some stuff. So, Luke... A movie came out, a sequel, I should say, to a movie came out this weekend called It Chapter 2. Now, I know that you got a chance to see it. I still have not. So I was going to ask you if you could give us, like, I don't know, some, like, non-spoiler-esque uh, – what, what did you think about the movie, basically? No, um, it was good. Overall, it was really good. I mean, um, some of the best special effects I've seen in a horror movie, um, just definitely well done how they do that, I mean. They definitely do a deeper dive into each character. Um, really liked how they go back to the kids, but the it's not like just quick little things. Like you actually get like a little bit more story in depth with them. Um, what happened to them all that summer where they first encountered it. So it's, it's really fascinating. Um, overall, really good movie. Um, enjoyed it. Uh, thought both of them were really well done. Um, if I had to choose which one I like better, it's going to probably be the uh, first one just because the first one just gives you just that, like, you know, you get that character development, you know, it's a story of like all these kids and it's just like this different group, they all come together. So it's, 
really good like that. But this one was really just well done how um, each character. Um, there's some things that, you know, I, I don't want to spoil. Um, we'll have to talk in another time. But uh, that I just want to know if it was different than the first one or the book. Unfortunately, I haven't read the book. But overall, really good. Um, one thing, though, just forewarning, it is three hours. Like, when they say, hey, this movie's three hours, it, it, it's three hours. I mean, it's not like one that. So it feels like three hours. It's just it doesn't actually. It's not one that just drags on. You're like, well, this one should have ended thirty minutes like early. You know how you have some of those movies where you're like the director should have just done the cough just cough ended once 30 upon a time in Hollywood cough cough. Yeah, so you get you get some of those, but overall, I mean, it's really good. It's just um, uh, <laughs> some things they had to keep true to the book. So um, I don't think you know it's. It is a. I don't want to say it's a spoiler. If there's a movie that came out 20 years ago and it's like kind of like okay, so you know like the big deal with like the first one that everyone like hated the original was like the ending how he like turned into a spider. Yes, I hated it. Yeah, well, um, thought they did a good job of that. Um, you know, because they still have to interpret it. I mean, that's what it's in the book. I'm pretty sure. So, I think their interpretation of that's better than the spider monster that we got in the, the original, like, I don't even know when that was made, like in the eighties or nineties, but yeah, overall really good. I mean, it surprised me though. Like horror movies in my mind, it's um very hard to see them sell out. So it really surprised me when I like, you know, I, I try to get like movie tickets kind of late on Friday and, and Saturday and I had to resort to like the last time slot. So that was really surprising that a lot of people were excited from the buildup of the first one to go see, you got to see it. I'm not going to say the first one traumatized me, but I think one of the coolest horror scenes I've seen in a long time was the projector scene uh, in the garage in the first one. I thought the way that they did that. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, it was fucking like two years ago. So, But that was really well done. The second one I've been very excited about because I haven't read the book. I need to go and read that actually. Um, I've actually never read a Stephen King book. It's something I need to definitely look into. But, um, you know, the the biggest critique I'm hearing, and I'm, I'm, a lot of people love this movie, and they said the, the, both of them together were great. But, Luke, would you agree that um, basically the kid scenes were uh, more enjoyable than the adult scenes? Yeah, I, yes, I would agree, just because – it's just hard to get more character development. Like, so the kids scene, you still have off of like, you know, where they are, you know, you know, they're, you know, their little quirks and all that. So you're still kind of feeding off the first movie. So it's like, whenever they come in, you know what they're like, you know, you're still getting all their, like their jokes. Um, I forget what, what's his, um, the kid with the glasses, you know, he's still just as witty, but like, and like the, you know, when they're adults, you're catching them 27 years later you're kind of getting like a quick, like, you know, when they meet each other, like catching up, but like, you know, they're kind of different. So it's like, you don't have like, you know, their enhanced like characters. So that's why the adults kind of, yeah, weren't as good just because, you know, the kids and, and everything with the kids, like it's, it's all in the same time frame as the first movie. So it's like, you know, kind of like scene by scene kind of like that. So that's why it's also the kid scenes are better. Yeah, I would assume that they're expecting you to cater your opinions towards the characters when they're children, uh, towards the adult characters, that even though you're just meeting them, you're supposed to know them, uh, even though they're different actors, because you met the children. So I guess there would be somewhat of a disconnect there. 
um, as far as it. But my, my, my biggest thing is I'm really looking forward to It Chapter 2. Uh, it was a very, uh, you know, along with uh, James Wan and everything he's done for horror as of recently, they brought a breath of fresh air back to horror that, you know, or, or, or Andy Machete, like a lot of these directors, they seem to understand horror in a way that's been kind of, not tampered, but people kind of lost it was a lot of fucking shaky cam movies. It was a lot of demon possession movies. It was a lot of stuff like that, or an ode to a Japanese horror movie. That's what the trend was for a while. So seeing someone take a television movie that was so well-known with Tim Curry as it from a very, very well-known book from Stephen King and reapplying it, the three-hour thing is the thing that scares me because you were talking about it. I kind of mentioned it while you were talking cough, cough, once upon a time in Hollywood, cough, cough. I know that Nick would probably be not screaming at me, but he would disagree with me on this. But I feel like that movie in particular kind of struggled because they should have shaved about 30 minutes to 40 minutes off the film. Um, With it, I don't know if it's the same thing, but, you know, the box office was really good. Uh, They made $91 million domestic and 185, I should say, million uh, worldwide. which the first it made $123 million and $189 million worldwide. So a, 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 a decrease since the other one. Um, I think it was like a 26% decrease. It's still a shit ton of money. I mean, that is $91 million for a box office for a horror movie, you know, and I, I don't remember if it's rated R or not. It probably isn't actually. I think they were able to do it uh, with a PG-13 rating. That's pretty damn good. Um, but I love that Forbes is trying to make an article of five reasons It Chapter 2 opened 26% lower than It. Uh, fuck Forbes. Fuck them in their butt. Anyways, Luke, uh, what, what did you think about the box office and anything else you know, involving It? Any, any last words? No, like I said, I mean, I didn't know – I mean, I didn't know If 1 made that much more money. But, I mean, like I told you, I mean, very – I mean – it was nice to see horror movies, like you said. There's definitely a, you know, a, a renaissance of horror movies that have come through that have been really good. And it Chapter 2 just did a good job of, like, because, you know, you never want to see, like, you know, when you get a, a Part 1 and a Part 2, you're always like, oh, man, please do not ruin Part 2, like, and just only have Part 1 being good. So I think, you know, they it was very well done. There's a lot of things that I wish I could say, too, that, like, but – it's like little spoilers, but overall, I would recommend anyone to go see it. I mean, you're gonna have fun. Um, it's a good movie. Um, it's got some good gore. It's I don't. It's, it's not radar, but it's it's got some good gore scenes. And um, you know, it's a little uh, scares will get you. I mean, it always is. I mean, so I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I, I think that my comment with Forbes. I mean, a 23 percent or 26, I should say, percent drop is big but 91 compared to 123 it's a horror movie it already has that going against it that's a pretty damn good amount still and i just feel i you know for someone as reputable as forbes magazine they obviously understand business um i don't know much about scott Mendelson, the one that made this article but i feel like that's very misleading and kind of fucking basically clickbaity would you agree with that luke yeah, I would say it's definitely clickbaity. I mean, it's definitely one of those ones that want to get you to click on it because he probably knows too. A lot of people are going to disagree with it, even though like 
a lot of like the Forbes, no matter what, they're always going to look at it at like a, a money analytical thing because, you know, they're the Forbes. So they're only kind of looking at, at the money. They're not looking at it like, you know, if it's a good movie and all that, they're just seeing. So it's definitely he. He took a, he took advantage of the industry he's in and, and just made it kind of like you said just click on my article real quick so you can disagree with it because everyone I'm sure majority of the people are thinking I mean it's a really good movie yeah uh, but I mean that's everyone that does that it just it, it's it's unique when it comes I, I I'll just say it's unique when it comes from an outlet like Forbes but um let's talk about the fights man Saturday night um, I know that. I only got to check out the last two fights. Uh, I'll go back and try the – I'm trying to get back slowly into UFC. You know, I got back into wrestling in the last couple of years, and that was a huge UFC mark from 2005, probably till whenever Anderson Silva broke his leg. After he already was, you know, finally beaten, and then he broke his leg. That's when I started losing interest. I think that's 2009, 2010. So I'm trying to get back into it. Um so I'll try to go back and watch some of these. I, I know that there was a big night uh, knockout in the heavyweight division within one of the matches, but uh, Luke, I know that you, you didn't get to see the, uh, the second to last match, not the Khabib match, but the uh, Barboza uh, Felder match. But uh, ha- have you been consistently watching UFC for a while? Like you check it out once in a while, or you have you just recently like me try to get back into the sport? No, I've definitely, like you, coming back into the sport. I mean, I was definitely into it for a while there, and then I just lost. But, I mean, I've watched the last couple of fights. I mean, the last fight card was phenomenal. I mean, just overall, just really good fights. This one, I mean, usually I watch more, but this one wasn't a Saturday night pay-per-view. It was a Saturday, and it was right at, like, you know, 3.30, and uh, college football is kind of, you know, at the right at that same time. So, I mean – I don't know why they did it. I mean, I understand it's in Dubai, but <clears throat> the day one. But yeah, so I only got to watch the Khabib fight just because. I mean, I had a, I had to see him fight again. Yeah, I'm assuming that's exactly why. Is because they were, you know, over in um, wherever they were. <laughs> I think you said they're Dubai. In, they're in um, Dubai. Yeah, I don't know where in Dubai though. But um, you know, it was a, it was an interesting night, man. Um, I will say that the lightweight match with uh, Edson Barboza and Paul Felder, out of the two, I liked it more because it was a really fun back-and-forth match. They already had a match previous to this that I actually went back and watched right afterwards because I enjoyed both fighters that uh, Barboza won, and this one went to decision, and it was a split decision that went to Felder. And um, just an awesome match. You have Edson Barboza, Luke. That's like he is uh, from – he's from Brazil. He is Muay Thai, you know, I don't know if he's trained by the same people that Shogunua and, and, and Anderson and, um, well, I should say, yeah, Anderson Silva and Vondale Silva. I don't know if it's from that camp, but he's definitely that style. And then you have a guy like Paul Welder, or Paul Felder, man, I'm going to fuck up everyone's name, um, that is American kickboxing. His look, uh, very much, he's, he's got a mohawk, he's, he even has blue shorts. Very much reminds me of like a smaller, like lightweight version of Chuck Liddell. But these guys beat the living hell out of each other. I think there was like four broken noses the whole entire night, is what I heard. Because I'm pretty sure that Dustin Poirier broke his nose, and Epson Barboza definitely broke his nose in their match. Awesome, hard-hitting match. Definitely looking forward to it. And then we had the lightweight main event with Khabib going against, uh, you know, the Ingram champion. 
uh, Dustin. And uh, one of his biggest things throughout this, Khabib's a very serious dude. You know, he's from Russia. You know, everything that happened with Conor McGregor, I don't think he understands Conor's uh, concept of selling a fight, of, of talking shit. He obviously took it very personal. We all remember the event of why Khabib was taken away from UFC. I guess it was about a year ago when him and Conor fought uh, in Las Vegas, uh, which is one of the craziest incidents I've ever seen happen in mixed martial arts. But Khabib uh, ended up winning. He's still 28 and zero as far as wins. He's he's getting on that upper echelon, Luke. That if he keeps on beating people, you know, he's going to be in that conversation of the very best when it comes to like a Vondelay Silva or a GSP or an Anderson Silva or a, you know, any of those guys that dominated and had ridiculous streaks for a long, long period of time. I know I'm forgetting probably like 5 million fucking people. Um, but, oh, John Bones Jones, obviously, with all of his faults. Um, but Khabib is one hell of a fighter. I know that a lot of people find him boring, uh, but those same people found uh, George St. Pierre boring. And to me, I'm sure you're very similar to this. I like grappling. I like wrestling. I actually like groundwork, judo, because I can appreciate a whole just as much as I can appreciate, you know, fist-to-fist, kicks-kicks action. Obviously, that's more entertaining, but I don't get bored when it comes to that. Um, how did you feel about this match? What do you think about Khabib winning? Who do you think he should go against next? All that type of stuff. Give me something. No, I mean, let me start up real quick. Um, I like people submitting people. I, I Khabib and St. Pierre are different. Um, George St. Pierre just really pissed me off when he used to fight because he didn't submit people. He just would, like, outwork you to death and just, like, go to decision. Khabib's just a monster on the ground, and you could just definitely tell when he was on there. I mean, what really got my interest is um, Dustin kept on trying to do, like, a a leaping, like, sprawl to, to a chokeout to, like, land – just like to land him on the ground and check yep. and it worked in the third. Finally, he, he kept on trying and it worked and he, he had him, but he didn't have like a full choke in. He kind of still had an arm. And I was just thinking, I was like, Khabib's going to get out of this. And right when he gets out of this, he's about to work the shit out of him. And um, uh, he turns him over gets his back and chokes him out and immediately taps out. Cause he just knew he locked it. But yeah, Khabib's just a monster on the ground. So I do enjoy watching him um it's very i mean he he did look a little bit vulnerable uh there's one that um i want to say was in the third too no it was in the second where dustin hit him with a good right like this thing was square in the chin and it didn't rock to be but it kind of like it kind of made him like you know stumble but if that's someone else with like a really good jab he's got to work on like protecting himself a little bit because he's definitely one of those ones where if you're fighting him you know the ground is going to so you like his ground game. So he's not really standing up. So I just think it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, I was even telling someone that if I was some fighter that was about to fight him, I would have to train with someone like George St. Pierre, like someone that's like really known for grappling just because I need someone that you can't mimic what you're about to get there, but you need someone that's well known to just kicking your ass on the ground. And if that, that would be a good person um, you know, just to, to train with you because Khabib's just so strong. He likes that choke. He goes instantly for it um, every time. I mean, he's definitely going to get you. Uh, he doesn't mind standing up. It's just, <laughs> I don't know, there's some things that he just let up in some good shots. And luckily, Dustin, 
Dustin was gassed by the second. He looked so out of it. There was one point where he was on the ground, and he was looking over at his corner, and he was just, like, panting. He was just trying to hold himself up, and he was just panting. I was like, dude, this guy's done. But as for a next fight, I know everyone really wants him to fight Tony Ferguson, and that would be a really good fight. Um, Tony's kind of the same way. He's uh, actually a one ultimate fighter, so it's kind of one of those ones where he's he's definitely made his way, but he likes to go to the ground, too. He doesn't mind. He he likes to chokehold too, and he's got like a he's got a, a choke that he goes to that's like really interesting. That's like even if you have an arm, he's really good at locking it. So I think they would be interesting just because they both want to do the same thing and work on the ground, and like you know they both have their stand up skills to knock someone out. So I think he would be really good. At just if he denies it, I know everyone wants the McGregor rematch. But I just think right now the the Ferguson would be a good match because he's definitely Ferguson's built his name and it'd be cool to see some two fighters that are just they they have the same they'll go for the choke and they're well known for go for it so see them be able to fight and work see their game plan against like each other. I like that idea. <laughs> Did you hear uh, what Conor McGregor said about that whole thing? I'm sure it was something very idiotic and um, not well thought. <laughs> so no, it was. It, I mean, he said he said I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give the the Connor spin, but he said something like to the lines of he's like I don't give a fuck, I'll fight him. Let's do it in Moscow. Fuck it. So uh, apparently Connor wants to fight Khabib in Moscow. That man has got to be one of the most entertaining and also just nuttiest fighters ever in MMA. Like, he, he was really bred for professional wrestling, but he's a badass uh, fighter. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely, like one of you say, he's, he's a character. Um, he definitely knows how to sell himself, too. I think, you know, a lot of these things, but he's just one of those Irishmen that, or whatever, is he Scottish or whatever those ones that just, you know, they're just born to fight. Just no matter what, he, he's a good fighter, but I do love to see. Every time he loses, I'd love to see it. And even if they, they go to Moscow, he's going to get his ass kicked even more just because could be not, not going to lose. And... They're not going to hey, fucking do it in Moscow. They'll, 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 murder, they'll murder Connor. They'll, they won't even let him get to the goddamn thing. Like, Russia hates him. Vladimir Putin probably wants to murder him. He probably wants to like barbecue as I don't even know if Vladimir Putin knows who the fuck Conor McGregor is. But I will say this about Khabib, man. Him his intimidation level reminds me of like on a level with like Minoru Suzuki or Vandalay Silva or BJ Penn. He just looks like he psychs people out right at the beginning. He looked like he did with Conor and Dustin, dude. It took them sizing each other up. You could tell Khabib was already in his head. He did like I think two kicks and then he went and took him immediately down, had him against the cage, and that was it. And then it was, like, physical dominating. Like you said, there was a couple punches thrown by Dustin that looked like it did some damage. But, I mean, I, I just feel like Khabib, he's going to probably dominate that division. I, I don't see, you know, maybe I need to see more of the middleweights, but I looked the rankings, and it doesn't seem like – I don't, dude, even if it's a money fight, which I understand why they would do that because, obviously, people would, would buy the pay-per-view – but Connor's not going to fucking beat him. I, I, I don't know how much training he could possibly do. You know, obviously he's fighting people in bars in Ireland, but, you know, old, old guys that won't take shots from him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Dustin's now second. 
obviously he's not going to have it anytime. It just it just seems like he's going to overwhelm that division, much like John Jones is doing in the uh, in the uh, heavyweight division. Yeah, I want to actually look up because there was someone that I was saying that'd be really fun against him, and um, I think. I, I know he's got a huge match coming up himself, but he just came back. But Nate Diaz versus Khabib would be a good one. I mean, Nate's fought Connor. Oh, so it's not like, yeah. You know, they're that far. But Nate would be one of those ones where he is really good at grappling, too. And he doesn't mind going to the ground. But he also wants to kick He wants to either kick your ass or, like, have a really good fight where you're not going to knock him out because he's just one of those ones where he just has fought all his life. Him and his brother are just crazy. But – I think Nate would be, uh, like, if Khabib just keeps on running through this weight class, if Nate had to, like, go up or anything, I think he had to go up a weight class when he fought McGregor, and he still won. But I still think Nate would be such a good a good fighter against Khabib just because his reach and all that and just his ground game, too, I think would um, work well against Khabib's ground game, ground dominance, more like it. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. I love that. I mean, I, I like both the Diaz brothers. I think they're badasses. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, I definitely like your idea of Tony Ferguson, though. He's, I think, next in line, I believe. So we'll have to wait. But uh, glad to be getting back in MMA, man. It's uh, fun to watch. Hopefully I can get my brain wrapped around everything like it once was because, Luke, I, I'm telling you, the last couple times I'm like, I knew every fighter. I knew everyone on the prelims. I knew ev- I, I knew strategy. I knew wh- what martial arts style each person had. It's all gone. And all the fighters that I like are pretty much, they're all getting kind of watered down or they're already retired, like Rashad Evans, for Christ's sakes, or they're going to Bellator and still fighting for God knows what reason. Um, but it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy trying to get back in the MMA game. And I'm sure with you, you already have like a million other fucking sports you watch. Yeah, it's definitely one of those ones where it stepped away and some new waves of fighters came through. But it's really fun, you know, just to see some of the, the fighters that, I mean, that are around right now and kind of seeing where UFC's at. I mean, definitely loved it back in the day. I mean, definitely saw it on its, like, its rise. But I think it's at a good spot right now where we're just going to get consistent fighters all around. Like, yeah, you might have the John's Bone Jones that run one division as it could be. But overall, I mean, you're getting some good fighting in all of USC, even the women, dude. Some of the women fights are so, some brutal ones. I mean, I saw saw a girl. Wait, what her name is? She's Nunez, one of the man. She kicked. She kicked this now blonde uh, Russian. She kicked this girl in the head. Her second to last fight and knocked this girl out. I was like, yo, that's one of the hardest kicks I've ever heard in my life. She kicked her so hard. Damn. Yeah, the women are the women are fucking shit up, man. They're they're uh, they're doing pretty damn well. Uh, within there. And I remember there was one time where Dana White was like, nope, women are never fighting in this. And then you had a lot of people, including Gina Carano over in um, Strike Force before UFC bought them out, you know, becoming popular. And finally, when they got all that, they ended up getting Ronda Rousey and a lot of other of the women. And now we're here today, man. Um, but, uh, you know, I, when, when, when Nick's on, I kind of like to let him smart me up about certain sports things. And I think that this one kind of uh, will hold true with you. Uh, obviously, we're both from, uh, you know, Milford, Massachusetts, Boston, uh, but I'm not into sports other than, you know, I used to be into boxing, and now I'm trying to get back into MMA. But apparently the Patriots got someone that's going to, you know, make us uh, 
pretty fucking good uh, for a while. Can you tell me about why it's good that uh, Antonio Brown, the part in Oakland, came over to New England? And uh, what position <laughs> he plays? Because I have no idea. What... <laughs> um, it's good because um, if you watched last night, so <clears throat> Antonio Brown's a, a wide receiver. He's been one of the, the best wide receivers for the past, like, seven He's he's definitely there's there's probably like four guys that are like right there neck and neck of just being really talented. He's definitely one. He's always leading the league. He used to play for the Steelers, and then he traded. But what kind of holds him back is he's a head case. He's definitely. Um, do you remember Terrell Owens back in the day and all those things? You remember when? Um, you know, absolutely. Yeah, and so he, he just kind of put him on like a T.O., like if, you, if for you that don't understand, like a T.O.S. of like having a lot of off-field issues. And he did a lot Didn't of – Didn't we have uh, a wide receiver like that Randy at one Moss, point? I, I, Randy Moss was kind of like a two, and he came from the Raiders, but Randy wasn't as bad as these – just A.B. kind of the way he got out of Oakland, kind of a negative thing. But, um, you know, him coming to the Patriots is amazing. I mean, like you said, we haven't really had a deep threat – since Randy Moss, and he's definitely one of the better ones. It's just the way that he kind of went about his business off fields, not professional in the, you know, in the most, you know, in the best way. But overall, I mean, we beat the Steelers last night who we don't have him kick their ass. And so now all you get is the Patriots adding him. So Patriots have a very good chance of running it back. I mean, AFC is still really good, but with the addition, with when you lose a guy like Gronk, who is a tight end, but he also catches the ball, and you get to kind of replace him with a really good receiver and Antonio Brown. It's just, it's really good. So uh, for every person that's not a Patriots fan, they hate it, but for a Patriots fan, love it. Um, hope he, a, a Anthony, I mean Antonio Brown comes, you know, over to the system, fits right in, and um, you know works hard. Uh, everything I read, minus all this weird antics, uh, he kind of froze off the bottom of his feet. <laughs> This summer in a cryo, uh, in a cryo, uh, something chamber. I can't even say it right now, but uh, cryogenic. Just something where you, cryogenic chamber. Yeah, thank you. Where it's like warning where you do. So it's kind of some fishy things behind, you know, everything that he gets out. But uh, hey, he got out and now he's on the Patriots and really looking forward to it. Um, just hoping he works hard and just fits into the Patriot way. Now, as an athlete, you, you mentioned two things. I was wondering what exactly he did with Oakland that was unprofessional. I'm assuming maybe he refused to play and try to sit out his contract, um, but I don't know how legal action wouldn't stop that. And the cryogenic chamber, does that mean that he might be um, prone to, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, god dang it, um, I feel like I just got one, concussions. That's usually why uh, no. athletes do that, whether – no, the, so they do that, the chambers to, um, like, help their bodies, like, regenerate. It's really well-known, like, it's very expensive. So it's, like, one that's, like, it puts you in, like, a deep freezing state. So it really just helps your muscles after a long season, like, they're playing, like, every day. Or, like, Brady does it, LeBron does it, basketball players do it. But, like, there's warnings that you have to, like, you know, cover your hands so they don't freeze or your bottoms of the feet. So it's big yep. warning. So. The things that he did was, yeah, he kind of forced he, – he got a lot of money. So he played for Steelers, and he didn't want to play for them anymore because they sucked. And so he got him self-traded to Oakland. And then Oakland signs him for three, $30 million guarantee. But then he kind of figures out that they suck, and he doesn't want to play. So then he did the feet thing. He wouldn't ever show up to uh, 
training camp, and then he kind of did something with his helmet where he got an endorsement, but he still wouldn't practice. He basically never practiced for them, and then he cussed out the GM and all that, and they were going to suspend him, and then they publicly he apologized, but I guess he asked for them to release him, so he forgave 30. He gave gave up a nice chunk of change not to play with them because they signed they signed him for $30 million guaranteed with a nice little contract, but he just didn't want to play for this. So those are the bad thing, like unprofessional things that he did to get out. So it was just like one after the other after the other. Sounds like a reality TV star. I was thinking hyperbaric, not uh, cryogenic. That's right. One's body, one's mind. Um, I'm wondering, a lot of athletes are doing the stem cell stuff to rebuild their bodies, um, which is finally making its way over here. It's a risky procedure, but hey, man, whatever those guys have to do to keep going, you know, as long as they're not like, well, completely brain dead uh, with the, you know, CTE and everything like that. Uh, good for them, especially with the modern medicine going on. But yeah, I had to ask you about that because obviously you're a football fan. I need to get smartened up on certain things. I'm glad that we got a more crazy Randy Moss, basically. That's, that's good. Um, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. And if you're not a Let's Patriots just, fan, I'm not even a football fan. So kiss our ass. That's all I got to say. Luke won't say that, but what, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, let's just say that um, if you're already kind of down on, like, how bad your fantasy football team played or how bad your football team played, a.k.a. the Falcons or just anyone that, like, saw their loss, the Browns and all that, it's not nice to know that the Patriots are about to get one of the best receivers and we, and they still kicked ass last night. They didn't even let a touchdown, so it's it's a good Monday. Sucks for all of them out there. <laughs> all right, all right. So after the shit talk, let's talk about another shit talker, man. Uh, Dave Chappelle, he had his special that just came out a couple weeks ago. I haven't got a chance to talk about it on air. I think it's called Sticks and Stones. I could be completely wrong on that, but uh, he's no, got right. a lot of flack. He's got a lot of flack, Luke, from. Um, from the, I'm, I'm going to blame it on the late millennials. I always do uh, with them. You know, the, 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 the half after 1990, basically, that bitch and cry about everything. They didn't grow up with tech, that didn't grow up with technology advancing. They already grew up with technology already there. Um, but yeah, apparently people are offended by some of his jokes, uh, whether it be about Michael Jackson, um, well, the accused dudes that accused Michael of sexual molestation and that, uh, in that documentary that came out not too long ago, um, or it be the uh, trans members of the LGBTQ community. Um, but I just, I don't think fucking people understand that this is Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is a stand-up comedian. I'm sorry that I have to explain this like I'm a fucking teacher explaining this, but he is a stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedians are supposed to make light and make fun of pretty much everything. Everything is off guard. And it's to make you, as a human that's listening to this, kind of laugh at something because it's extremely serious. And, you know, it, it's better to, I think, I don't know, I, I basically fucking just, just live a little, for Christ's sakes. All the stuff that I've heard people say, it's like, have you never heard of fucking Dave Chappelle? I know he recently came back after years of him being, you know, gone. And then four years ago, he came out with his two specials. And this is the one that kind of lit, led up from that. And I saw him live at the Tabernacle in Atlanta since then. But this is my favorite stand-up comedian right after George Carlin. And let me just say that in this 
climate, this time period, George Carlin would not have fucking stuck around at all. The attitude nowadays when it comes to stand-up comedians is a joke. Um, whether it be the one, um, I think he was Indian comedian that was on Joe Rogan not so long ago that got shut down for, ma- for being racially sen- uh, insensitive. Um, or, or maybe it was uh, maybe he said a homophobic joke or something like that, and was shut down. And the the group of people at the college in California got him the fuck out of there, kicked him off, wouldn't pay him for the event, and were saying that he was a racist. I just when it comes to comedy, I feel like nothing should be off limits. If you are sensitive to something, you can say that you don't you, you don't like it. But to go after people for this type of stuff, it's a very slippery slope to me. Luke, what did you think about the special, and uh, what do you think about some of the backlash from the uh, overly sensitive? No, overall, it was a great stand-up. Um, Dave Chappelle is one of, like you're saying, one of the best stand-ups. Um, funny thing is, as you said, we saw him at the Tabernacle, but um, what you didn't know is, so he played a whole week there, <clears throat> and we all knew this, that special got recorded during that week that we saw him, but no one knew when he was going to record the next. Netflix special so it was kind of a surprise so we could have been the people that were actually there live so funny thing right there Dane for you but um, overall I mean he said okay so the the name of the you know stand up is called Sticks and Stones so right there you need to go into it just knowing oh okay so there's going to be a lot of things that might offend me I don't need to you know finish that whole phrase that we were all brought up with but people seem to forget you know, that, you know, words, you know, really, you can't let it get to you. But like you say, it's just comedy is just, it's a dying thing. And it's really sad. Just like there's comedians that are just so scared to do anything right now and just be themselves because people don't understand. Like when you go there, you're trying to like, you know, escape where you are. You are questioning some of your beliefs, trying to seeing it from like a different angle, but in a funny thing, kind of like calling it out. And it's like, it's comic relief, but people just, forgot that part and they just take it as like hey you're you're making fun of me and i loved it that dave Chappelle, when he's doing his two impressions and the second one he's like dude who am i uh you know anything you've done 10 years from now or 10 years in the past i'm gonna make sure that you know we bring it up and like nothing happens and then everyone in the audience too you know just is like screaming trump trump which is i thought was even better that they were thinking that and then he just is like no motherfuckers it's you you are who I am. Like, you are the worst people right now. And it's true. I mean, like you were saying about that comedian, um, he was actually, you know, he was, he was he's Indian, and he was at, like, um, a fraternity for, like, international, like, you know, so everyone knows there. He did say something homophobic, and I guess towards, um, you know, that. It, it's, it's funny. Um, I don't want to kind of repeat it because I, I don't want to, like, seem like I'm getting the backlash. Me- it's funny. No, I, I, I exactly don't. I, I think I, I believe. I exactly. Correct me if I'm wrong. The the joke was on the lines of uh, something about like why would you know how I know that um, that 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 homosexuality isn't a choice because there's gay black men out there or whatever. Like why the fuck would they want to live that type of life? Like it wasn't it something on the lines of that. Oh yeah, it was just a lo- along that and like you wouldn't want to double down. Like you you're not trying to double down in in life. So, you know, funny if you if you see it and everyone, you know, he's not – if you're white and you're kind of saying that and you don't pull it off well, yeah, it's going to look a little dicey. But, you know, 
him being Indian and, and an international thing, everyone should kind of know. And it was just like one of those, but it just shows you that like people are already going into like comedian things. And like another thing that's funny is uh, that really cracked me up is when he's talking about the French comedian and uh, he talks, uh, Dave talks about how he got in trouble uh, not too long ago at one of his shows where he was like, yo, and this lady in the audience must have been taking notes because she said that I would take a, um, a castle and slam it on James uh, Poirier's head. And I was just like, <laughs> and he's like, and I did say that. But it was just, it's like <laughs> that whole little story there that I just thought, you know, like he just explaining that, like, why are you going into things, especially taking extensive notes and then it worked out in his favor that like a day later, it wasn't white people ended up being two Nigerians. But um, yeah, Dave's one of the best. Oh, what God. I always enjoy about him too, what's always hard too is like in comedic act, it's like hard to see that thing that they're going to come back to in the end, like where like a really good comedian, like most acts will do is where they'll have some theme or something and then they'll wrap up their last thing. And Dave did it with the whole, like, you know, calling out like how, school shootings is a big thing and it's kind of getting like overwhelming that, you know, they're teaching kids and all that. But I loved it. How he was talking about like, and there was that one time that school dance and I had to count out $3 and everyone was making fun of me. And that was the only time I thought in my head, man, I want to kill everyone, every one of these motherfuckers at school. And then he ended it. It's just like that Dave Chappelle, like, and that's how, like a really good comedic act and how he tied everything back up and he brought that back up again. And it's just, like, a really well done and just, like, dude, just really good comedian. So I love how it's not offending everyone. It's only offending the, like, 14 um, people that Rotten Tomatoes allowed to watch it and, and criticize it. Like, that's the only people because everyone else has seen it. What cracked me up is, so it's got, like, a 22%, and it's only, like, I think less than 14 critics have, like, done anything and then on the other side the audience was given it a 99 i want to say like twenty five thousand people have said their opinions on it so it just shows you that it's it's really not offensive and you've got to go into it. i i hope this kind of breaks the barrier and like how people like you called out so many things like you know like the whole kevin hart situation and i like how he did that it's like he calls out things and makes it like funny but it's like things that are kind of serious and all that and and everything but dave Chappelle has just always been a mastermind I love that I was in the era of his peak of the Chappelle show because that would never be able to last. But, like, everyone that's offended by this, they never watched the Chappelle show and saw what Dave was doing every single week, just calling out, like, things and his skits and everything. So, you know, but, um, yeah, one of the better um, stand-ups that I've seen in a while. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean – and that's the thing is like Dave Chappelle just seems like he gets it. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at some of these fucking critics pictures out of the 12. Uh, I think there was 10 of them that gave it bad reviews and they just look like uptight motherfuckers. So I don't know. I found most of it funny. I liked his opening part. Uh, like you just said about calling up like, no, it's you. Uh, one of the funniest parts I think, and uh, you know, they could have edited it out, but Dave kept it in there. I think because of the response, Luke was uh, the part where the guy got the phone call and like Dave's eyes like go low, like, are you serious? And everyone's like, oh, and they start booing them. And Dave's like, chill, chill. It's probably their babysitter. They probably got kids. No problem. And they go out and he's like, take your phone call. It's fine. They like leave real quick. And he's like, you know, wouldn't it be fucked up if they were like, oh no, it's mama. Mama's dead. Mama. And he starts doing that. Like, 
Oh, my God. Just how amazing of a comedian can take something like that and make it one of the funniest things naturally in his act without even putting that much thought process into it. I thought everything with the R. Kelly shit was funny as hell. Uh, everything with the Michael Jackson shit was funny as hell. I'm not going to go too explicit in some of his jokes, but even, even if that actually did happen with Michael Jackson, like imagine the stories the next day. Like I just – it sucks that people can't laugh anymore. I was listening to some Carlin that I've heard before, but I was listening to it recently. Not, not to mention I listened to uh, Delirious from Eddie Murphy recently. It's like even me listening to it with modern standards, it's like, damn, that does not age that well. But it's, it's, it's comedy. It's, it's, it's not supposed to have a censorship issue. I mean I don't know if you knew this. I, I think I've told you, but – it's not a cop-out. I really – I wrote down material. I was practicing in front of my mirror. But a couple of years ago, I wanted to try stand-up, and because of what's it like now, it's like, fuck it, man. I don't. I, just, I, I feel like there's too much limitation and there's too much animosity uh, from people for you to be able to just freely be able to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. And I'm not just like someone – that can make stupid small jokes. Like I love a Norm Macdonald who can do that type of stuff, but I'm much more a process thinking. I, I well, I would assume style comedian that wants to talk about subjects of, of the world, like a Dave Chappelle, like a Lewis, not a Lewis CK, kind of Lewis CK, but more Lewis Black, uh, George Carlin, even um, Richard Pryor to an extent, just being able to relate off life. And I, I feel it's too dicey nowadays. Yeah, no, it's completely dicey. I mean, the, every comedian's have to change their whole way of, like, doing things. I mean, you definitely have to look at where you go to to do com- comedic acts. I mean, I would stay away from any college right now. I mean, those are just nightmares. I guarantee that. I mean, it just people have to really just um, take off this shield or this, like, little thing that they put around themselves, like, you know, trying to protect them. Just, like, you know, just relax sometimes and enjoy something. I mean... You really just take it for what it is. I mean, he he's really funny. Um, that part that you're trying to talk about with Michael Jackson and all that, and little Billy. I mean, it's only up from here. He he just got with the king of pop. <laughs> I was dying. Oh I was God! Dying. And he, uh, and he, and he yeah, does a little impression of the kid, and he's like, "Skip a room," and it's just like, "Oh my lord." Just the white people and, and where he's the heroin addicts and uh, oh my god, all of it was just fucking. I was crying throughout the whole entire thing and not like a oh my god, why is he doing this sort of way. I was laughing my ass off until I was crying. But uh, Juicy Smollett, good story of Juicy Smollett. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. But hey, you got our approval. The Owls Brothers say go watch on Netflix Dave Chappelle Sticks and Stones and Quipping a Biatch. All right, let's move on. We got a couple more subjects to talk about. Two things in general. Um, well, one main thing I think, and then we can kind of wrap it up. Um, but uh, I want to talk about Joker. Luke, Joker. People at the Toronto uh, Film Festival TIFF, or Toronto International Film Festival, I should say. Uh, that's why it's called TIFF. Um, and also now it was number one at the Venice Film Festival. Those are two biggest film festivals tiff was raving about this movie it's already gotten such high praise from both movie fans that have seen it at these festivals and critics they're they're saying this is you know not only a tribute to, to like a scorsese love letter 
uh, that um, I forgot the director is. He's the guy who made The Hangover, but but I know Scorsese produced it. But they're saying very much Kings of Comedy, Taxi Driver. You see a lot of elements in the way that the cinematography is. I don't know if he used the same cinematographer that that Scorsese does, but the way that he shoots it, the way that he does it. This movie's an amazing character piece. They're saying that the film, the director, and Joaquin Phoenix himself should all be nominated regardless if it's a comic book film. And people are putting it on that level of like a Dark Knight or a Logan where it's an incredible film. It's not just a superhero film. And that's – I don't – it's not to me uh, taking offense to any – like, you know, I'm a huge fan of the MCU. I'm a huge fan of comic book films. But I like it. Watchmen included to an extent, or um, uh, V for Vendetta is another good example, where they can take a property, especially something like the Joker, not even have Batman in it, and make it a character piece when there's not really an origin for the Joker in the comics. Yeah, you can read, you know, um, oh man, I'm going to get so much crap from our comic fans. The one that, where he basically um, shoots uh, Barbara Gordon, I forgot what the name of the uh, series is. I'll look it up when I pass it to my brother. But, you know, it's it's very amazing that they can take something like this, bring an origin story for the Joker, make it this compelling without Batman, and they're saying this is excellent cinema. They're not even trying to like it, – it's, uh, it, it sounds too good to be true. Uh, I think it comes out October 4th, so it's coming up. Are you looking forward to seeing Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, and are you excited from all this uh, positive um, energy from critics and movie fans alike? Yeah, no, I'm ex- I'm extremely excited to see this one. I mean, I'm really happy to hear that both of these film festivals have really raved, you know, good praise and divine. I mean, it's about time, especially for, like, DC in general, for its, like, movie, like, real cinema-like movies to, like, finally start getting some better ones. So, really, even though it's kind of a standalone and all that, it's not really into, it's going to still be considered a whole DC. So, good to kind of, like, hear that. But, I mean, exciting, because, like you're saying, I mean, there was, I mean, the whole origin story behind him, I mean, it's when he's Red Hood real quick and, and, and all that. I, but um, this one, to be able to see, I mean, you're really going to be able to see, like, and Joaquin Phoenix has that look, too, where he just kind of looks like, you know, that guy that you walk by and you're like, he's like two things snaps away from, like, really just going crazy. So he's already kind of got that look to him, which, like, excited me when he got cast for the role. I was like, I could kind of see him being Joker. So it's going to be really awesome like not awesome but it's it's gonna be um you know an uh, like a cool character development to like really dive into because everyone knows who the joker is and you know where he's at but i also like that they made it rated r i mean there's no reason to censor this movie down at all it's it's everyone needs to i was reading some articles of some people already getting like offended and like you know being like i don't want to see this movie because i don't want to see a downfall of someone's mental health and it's like don't go into this like thinking this is again you just go into movies to escape reality yes that is what you're getting at but if you know the joker's character you know that he's crazy and insane so it's nothing going around i mean you're not trying to put like you know daisy this up in it at all you can't you know you, you're going to show where he's at i mean and i think with scorsese you know behind it um this actor uh, uh i mean this director that uh, i really did some of the shots that i've seen kind of gave me that uh like you know that the really good cinematic like shots like in like uh, like the small previews that we've gotten you know i've kind of noticed that it's going to be really uh well done you know um so 
it's going to be exciting. And I mean, this will be one movie that I wouldn't mind it being three hours just because there's not going to be another one. And I get the whole thing, like really seeing Joker, you know, from the beginning being like this kind of, I guess a good person, because, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking like, I, I know Joker's character. So there's no way of me seeing him good at all. So this is going to be interesting to see and, you know, where it finally ends out at the end. And, um, you know, it's just good to hear that these festivals like this are just already putting in, you know, high praise. So, you know, it's, it, it, at least you're going to have the people that don't like it. There's always going to be those ones. But when you get like festivals like this, like especially the one in Toronto, that's, that's very big too, that and they're already saying it. So it's, I'm definitely, I need to go ahead and reserve my ticket right now for that opening weekend. No kidding. We both do. And man, people, Offended by a character development story because he's a villain. Like it's, it, they're not making a fucking Disney cartoon movie with a with Adolf Hitler. I mean, it's Jesus. It's, it's character study. I mean, Taxi Driver was literally a character study about someone, although because of PTSD in the military, kind of went a little bit bonkers, crazy. Uh, they've done plenty of movies like that, but you know that's how people are. But I was going to say it's uh, Batman: The Killing Joke from Alan Moore, which I was referring to. Uh, where they, you know, they had Joker kind of like a little bit of an origin, like you said, with the Red Hood. Um, and it's Todd Phillips, the director of this. I'm very much looking forward to this because he made War Dogs, and I really liked War Dogs, but he's kind of known for comedy with the Hangover movie. So to see him evolve as a director will be very interesting. Um, I'm wondering, Luke, from the trailers, they have Robert De Niro, who seems to be playing um, this host of a television show, and they're going to have Joker on the show. Well, if anyone knows, one of my favorite comic books ever done was Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. And they did probably, I would say, one of the best animated adaptations and probably one of the best animated comic book movies up there with Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, as far as just a great movie, a two-parter. But in that, they had a similar concept where a host wanted to have him on the show, and the Joker showed up and was being all charming – and then had two robots come in with poison that brutally murdered the whole entire audience while it was on television and the host. Now, they don't necessarily have to do that with robots and gas, but I wonder if they're going to take that story beat because it looks like at least me seeing this in the trailer that they might be setting that up. Uh, is there anything that you're expecting happening in this movie? I'm expecting something like that, like a big mass killing where, you know, Joker – I think too, um, you know, like you were saying that he's known for the director's known for his comedies. That it's good to have him in here because I mean, Joker is one of those people. You know, he wants to you know be comedic, but he's also very uh, diabolically crazy. And <laughs> so I think that it'll be good that you know the director kind of ha- does have that comedic background. But no, I definitely I want to see him. You know, I guess it's bad to say, but I want to see him just how, you know, how he convinces other people to, like, join him with his, like, the gas. I just, and I and I want to do see, like, kind of, like, I don't want to see, like, his first thing kind of, like, you know, be something, like, low-key and no one, like, you know, his first thing to really put himself as the Joker and want it to be a spectacle because Joker's always having to do something, you know, that shines light onto him. So I definitely, like, like you're saying, if, if they were to do that where it's all in live tea, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And Joaquin Phoenix just looks like he's so driven in it. Now, 
I don't think it's going to happen, but whatever happens with the Robert Pattinson Batman movie, um, I forgot the director's name is on that. He's the one who did the Apes movies. I'm really looking forward to that. It just sucks. What I was going to say is it sucks that we're not, if, if we really like this Joker and we really like Robert Pattinson's Batman, that we're not going to see them at all on the screen together. I don't even know if Jared Leto will end up in the same world, if you will, that Robert Pattinson's uh, Batman will, but it's a lot of stuff like that happening. But I would rather DC not try to be like the MCU and have stories maybe where you use the same actors and you can have the same universe per se, like with Aquaman and Wonder Woman, but you're not scared to do a solo film because DC's always been known for having a multiverse. It's always been known for having these alternate versions so I think it kind of makes sense for storytelling purposes. And I also, as much as I love, as much as Avengers will always be one of my favorite films of all time. It might not be the greatest made film, but like for what it did for me, I feel like a lot of people in the 70s, that's what Star, or Star Wars did for them. Same type of concept. You know, as much as I love a lot of MCU films, Winter Soldier included, Civil War, um, there is just a level that can be a little bit ahead of that as far as cinema and I like people taking those those chances. Logan was a great chance from Fox, even Deadpool to an extent. Um, and Marvel really hasn't got a chance to to mess around with that. I think Winter Soldier has been the closest to like off the gr- off the grid a bit, you know what I'm saying, compared to the norm of an MCU film. But DC, for all their crap, <laughs> once in a while that they've made, they've also made some incredible movies like The Dark Knight, and now, from what it sounds like, like Joker. So. I'm really looking forward to it. Any last comments, Luke, before we move to the end of this show? No, I mean, my one last quick comment was um, in the Ape trailer, I really hope that um, the other standalone, um, Birds of Prey, does really well as well. And that's also kind of a long Joker's kind of, um, you know, Harley Quinn. But I hope I, I saw it was a quick little preview in the middle of the, the thing, and I just, hope that you know these next one like you're saying dc should do these things where they do more standoffs because i think you know if you want to keep your story mode they have a they're amazing animated movies and they have a good storyline with those characters and all of them staying the same you should just really take advantage of these like awesome dc one-off stories that you can make into movies yeah absolutely all right i just um before we leave i want to take a moment of silence um For a tragic end, Uh, Taylor Swift's record has been uh, kicked off the number one spot uh, for Tool's album of uh, Fear Inoculum. I almost forgot that. Would have fucking had to give him back in my Tool um, cool card. But um, I'm sorry, Taylor, for this. You know, hopefully T-Swizzle, I should say. Things will work out for you again. And uh, Maynard posted a picture the lead singer of Tool, of him as Thanos that someone mocked up with the Infinity Gauntlet and then a picture of Taylor Swift disintegrating that just had a bunch of ha-has and had her tagged in it. Uh, in reality, great joke. Uh, the last Tool lot, I'm a huge Tool fan. This last album, I like Tempest. I like Fear Inoculum. The album itself, after waiting fucking 13 years, uh, I'm not going to say it was a letdown for me, but you know, there was a lot of long, great tracks, and then a couple of weird interludes. One of them was a badass drum solo from Danny Carey, so you can't go wrong with that. But overall, I, I think I was expecting a little bit more. But 
I think that as fans, we tend to do that to ourselves, whether it be a director coming out with a new movie or one of your favorite hip-hop artists or rock artists. Uh, you put a lot into the ones that you really like, a lot of uh, standards. But um, I, Taylor Swift, I actually think, is a really good pop artist. I don't, I don't really have a problem with Taylor Swift. I just think it's funny that Tool, uh, that I'm watching old episodes of The Office. I got Tool's new album. Uh, Dave Chappelle just had a special. I feel like I'm in the fucking 2000s again. So that's a good thing, I think. But um, Luke, did you have any? Um, did you want to say any any words uh, to Taylor Swift for this tragic? No, nah, I. I just think it's awesome that a um, you know a rock album is able to be number one on the charts, especially you know it's not like it was going up against you know that not that good good albums. I mean, Young Thug was also up there with his new album, and Taylor Swift dropped it. I mean, when Taylor Swift drops albums, every girl in basically America is buying it. So just to be able to see a a rock album, like you said, I mean, it's been 13 years in the making to be able to hit the number one charts and be above her. It's a uh, it's really cool. I, I haven't listened to it at all, but, you know, just really good to see, you know, that type of music just, you know, getting a shout-out again over, I mean, a very a very well-popular artist. I mean, Taylor Swift sold out two nights in a row at Mercedes-Benz, so she definitely she definitely um, has reins over the market when she drops albums. So it's awesome to see Tool be able to take that over her. And that's the bottom line. All right, that's going to do it over here at Monday Suck for another episode. Uh, I will be back next week if there's a bunch of news. If not, you know me, I'm doing this bi-weekly, unless there's something big that comes out or I have an interview. I'm going to be trying to line up some interviews here in the future, uh, just to let you guys know. So hopefully we'll have uh, some pretty big guest. Um, I would love to get – I've been a big fan of uh, the new season of uh, Hip Hop Evolution and uh, old friend of uh, Geek Vibes, uh, the showrunner for Luke Cage, who used to work for Vibe Magazine, uh, Cheo uh, uh, Coker was on there featured. So I would love to get him on. We've, we've talked in the past about talking about old school hip hop, and he was friends with Biggie. So this is not really me trying to like name drop or anything like that, but – that's someone I'd be like to work on uh, getting on. We have a couple other names that I'm messaging right now, uh, so it should be cool and the interesting, or it should be cool and interesting, guys. Here in the future, I don't know what's going on with my mouth. Maybe it's because Mondays suck. But Luke, bro, broski, love you, little brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You need to come on again soon. It was fun chit-chatting with you. Say goodbye to the wonderful audience. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for everyone listening. You know, I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, let me know if you ever need me in the future. Peace out. Absolutely. So you guys have a good one out there. Check out our website, like I said, at geekvibesnation.com, and tune in next week for another episode of Dragon Ball Z. Hey, it's Dean Kane. You may know me as uh, a superhero or two or four. Uh, and you are listening to Geek Vibes.